I want you to turn, if you would, in your Bibles to Luke chapter 18. I'm just going to read briefly. I'm not going to keep you long. I'm going to be like Henry VIII to all of his wives and promise you I won't keep you long. You'll get it in a minute, those historians. Can we take a minute and just honor Pastor Robbie and Pastor Monica? I know they're not here today, but how many love our pastors? Aren't they the best? I want to echo what Pastor Derek said in the first service. I think it's a privilege to stand in front of you here today, and I count this a great honor and a great opportunity, and I thank Pastor Robbie for asking us and trusting us to be a voice for him, and uh, we love him dearly. Uh, man, wow, what a great history there. Don't want to go back too far. I've known him his whole life pretty much, so just privileged to be standing in this place that he and his, his dad have built. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, there might be a Bible buried under here somewhere in the cement. So we're literally standing on the Word of God when we're standing up here to preach God's Word. So aren't you glad for that? Come on now. It's the little things in life that make the big difference. Pastor Robbie's been talking about prayer, been talking about what it means to not only hear from God and, and get something in your heart and in your spirit, a message from from the Lord, but also what does it mean to, to actually hang on to that? Apostle Paul really called it this. He says, how are we going to do battle unless we have a word from God? And how do we then battle with that word? And so I'm just going to kind of continue with that idea. As Pastor Robbie talked a little bit out of Luke 11 last week, which is the Lord's Prayer, when the disciples came to Jesus and asked him, said, can you teach us to pray, Lord? And he gave us the Lord's Prayer, but then he then gave a a little story, a little parable after that. And he talked about the man in the middle of the night. And as you heard Pastor Robbie last week share, I believe it's out of the NIV version, it says the words that he uses are shameless audacity to continue knocking in the middle of the night. Well, there's a twin storyline to that, and we find it about seven chapters later, which is where I'm going to land, and that's in Luke 18. And Jesus is continuing to teach his disciples about prayer and the importance of praying without ceasing. Long before the Apostle Paul encourages us to do that, Jesus was teaching us to do that. And we find that in this incredible passage with this woman. Now, in the King James, the Bible calls this the story of the unjust judge. I'm not necessarily going to read it for you because it would be a little bit too lengthy, but... Ultimately, it's a story about this woman, a certain woman who comes to this unjust judge and she has a plea and there's things that the law of Moses had set in motion that if you were a widow or an orphan or a stranger or a foreigner that were supposed to be provided for you. If you were part of the Israeli community and there was somebody that was among you that had, had less than and needed help, that we were we were inspired and challenged and encouraged to bless them. The greatest commandment, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And so this woman has a legitimate complaint that she's bringing to the judge. She says, I'm a widow and you're not taking care of me. We're not talking about the United States government and, and all the things that are able and accessible to us now when we need them. We didn't have... She didn't have wit to lean on. She didn't have welfare to lean on. She didn't have anything to lean on. This 
lady basically didn't have an inheritance and her husband, the one that was going to connect her to her inheritance, is gone. And she says, but by the law of Moses, you're supposed to be taking care of me and you're not. And the Bible says that this judge, and the King James calls him an unjust judge or a judge who didn't really regard or fear the Lord or respect God and didn't really care what people around him thought either. But watch this. The Bible says because of her continual coming. Does anybody know how to nag anybody? Uh, don't point. No. Goodness, Lord. We didn't get that on camera, did we? Okay, good. Thank God. That brother's going to be in trouble. How many's got that little child, that maybe son or daughter? It's not all of them, but you got that one that when they want something, they just, you know, Dad, I thought you would take me to Dairy Queen. Dad, I thought we were going to go to Dairy Queen. How come we're not at Dairy Queen right now? I thought you said we were going to go to, how many, buddy, anybody else? Where do you think we got this line and title for a movie, Are We There Yet? That is a reality among so many of us. Before you even get in the car, the kids are saying, are we there yet? And I can imagine this widow, man, she, and she probably, she knew probably her powers of persuasion by this point in her life. And she, oh, sorry, this, could you imagine her going every morning? I bet she met the judge when he was coming out of the coffee shop before he even got down to the law office. You know what I mean? She was that lady. She was probably blowing his phone up first thing in the morning. But the Bible says because of her continual coming. I love it. In the NIV it says, I'm going to give her justice. I'm going to answer her request. I'm going to give her the justice that she deserves because she's going to drive me crazy. Come on, she's going to drive me nuts. That's the Mark translation. Is there anybody that has had somebody that just drives you crazy? Don't, don't point, don't lift your hand or anything, but I had a, a particular job this one time and I was working in a cubicle. Anybody ever had to work in a cubicle next to a whole bunch of other people? And you got to walk down this corridor with all these other cubicles and there's that one person that just, if they look at you, they don't even have to say anything. It's annoying. Is anybody else, is that just me? I mean, I know I need Jesus, but is anybody else in here that just like, you got that one person. You see her Instagram post and you're just like, oh, man. I'm, it's not anybody in here, I'm sure. I do counseling on the side, so I'm talking about them people. I'm not talking about y'all at all. Anybody in the room at all? all, you, all just somebody talking about them annoys you. you. You hear your friend saying, oh, did you go to her party? And you're just like, oh. Someone's like the devil rising up within you, like, what's happening right now? I want you to look at prayer in a little bit different light today. If Luke 11 calls it shameless audacity, then 
Maybe in Luke 18, we can call it tenacity. Tenacity is usually a characteristic that's prescribed and described to uh, uh, maybe a little, a little chihuahua that grabs a hold of something or a bulldog that gets a hold of something or even something bigger than that. Anybody ever know something? You know anybody like that that they just they get a hold of an idea and they never let it go? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, we've got, we've got, we always had had dogs in our house. And right now we've got a little five-pound poodle. His name is Cooper. Now, if you play, you know, tug-of-war with him, he starts to get mad when you start pulling on that little toy or that rope. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Ah, ah, ah. And what we're starting to see is we're starting to see tenacity coming out. And, and it's, it's inherent in him. He's been bred to go after these tiny little rodents way back in a hole somewhere and dig them out. And once he gets a hold of them, even if it's just a tail, he's going to make sure that he takes care of business. Can we have this idea when we get a hold of a promise from God? Come on, and the world says, well, you don't deserve that. Or people around you say, well, we know how you really are, and you, there's no way God's going to give you that. Is there anybody in the room that says, I'm going to get tenacious with my prayer and say, Lord God, whether I'm like Abraham, 20 years have gone by. I've been telling people for 20 years that God's going to give me something, and it's still not here. But guess what? I'm going to be tenacious with my prayers, and I've got a promise from God and the God that I serve never lets me down. He's going to make sure that he gets what he promised me. And I'm not letting go. Come on, turn around and look at somebody and say, I'm not going to let go. Oh, I'm not going to let go of what God's promised me. I'm standing here because my great-grandmother, I'm from five generations of preachers. And my great-grandmother was... Uh, and, and intercessor, she loved to pray. She prayed every single day. And she didn't know my name at that point, but she was praying for me. She would pray every day, devil, you can't have one of my children. You can't have one of my grandchildren. Is anybody in the room? You can't have any one of my grandchildren. She was praying prayers that are still alive and working today. I'm standing here because a sister who her husband had left her, she's raising six kids on her own. The state tried to come and take those kids away. But listen, because of her testimony, the state said, we can't provide for your children the way that your God is providing for your children. So we're going to let you keep your kids. That lady said you can't have them. Can we have that kind of tenacity? I, I wish I had this even more so. You know, the older you get, I think you kind of think, you know, as you're young, you're kind of rolling through. You feel like you're Superman. You can do a whole bunch of stuff, and you might not need, well, I might need God a little bit. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, I'm... I'm so funny, and I'm so cute, and I've got all the, you know, whatever your skill set you think you have. Some of us have the superpower of ADD. I mean, whatever your superpower is. But the older that you get, you realize if Jesus doesn't show up in this situation, 
my cuteness ain't going to get it done. Is anybody listening? If Jesus doesn't show up in this situation, my intellect isn't going to get me through. Come on, somebody. If Jesus doesn't show up in my situation, all my past victories aren't going to get me through this one. And somebody said, man, it seems like kind of a challenge to walk in that kind of faith and walk into that kind of ability to believe God. Pastor Robbie said something so powerful. He said that hope is what employs our faith. How many can lift your hand and say amen to that? But I have to continue and add to that, that once your faith is employed, it is patience that keeps your faith out on the field working. And some of us, we're willing to show up and pray that first prayer. But after about two weeks, come on now, how many, are, how many are still locked in to that New Year's resolution that you made a month ago? Come on now. And all the Planet Fitness members that have been paying 10 bucks a month say, so, you know, I probably should get that money back now. Because about 14 days in, if you were good, you stopped going. But how about hanging on to what God said no matter what happens? One of the credible examples that I have, so many in the scriptures, but 2 Kings 13, verse 18. While you're turning there, I want you to think about your faith at work in the field. As we go through this today, you're going to find out that not only does hope employ your faith and patience keep your faith in the field working, but then you're going to find out that your faith needs some fuel. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, my faith needs some fuel sometimes. And as we uncover this, you're going to find out that what makes faith work is love. Second Kings, Elisha the prophet goes to this new king and says, God's going to give you a brand new kingdom, a new start, and he wants you to do something in the spirit. Something prophetic. I didn't say pathetic. I said prophetic. And I believe that even though we've seen a misuse and abuse of some of the things in the prophetic in the past, I believe that God wants to reintroduce some of the gifts of God to the body of Christ and to the world at large. One of those being people that know how to declare God's word. Can you say amen? Knowing that because it's God's word, it doesn't need any help. It doesn't need me to prop it up. It doesn't need me to assist it. It doesn't need to show off and make me look good so the word somehow looks better. God's word doesn't need any help. Can you say amen? God's word is like a lion. If you turn it loose, it can handle itself. Come on, somebody. Second Kings, Elijah says to this king, now I want you to do something prophetically. Take these arrows in your hand. And as a sign and a symbol, I want you to strike the arrows to the ground. And as you do, it's going to be a symbol of what God is going to do throughout your kingdom, throughout your reign. And so this man has an incredible opportunity and he takes the arrows and he strikes the ground once and twice and three times and then he stops. And the prophet looked at him and he says, I can't believe that you've stopped. After only three. 
He said, because you stopped at three, you're only going to be able to defeat your enemies three times. If you would have kept on striking the ground, you would have been able to defeat your enemies for your entire generation. How much stuff are we leaving on the table when we walk away from our prayer closets? How much victory are we leaving at the door because we get tired and we get up off of our knees? Is anybody listening? Man, I don't know about anybody else, but if my grandmother, my mother, my grandfather didn't teach me anything, they taught me one thing. I'm more powerful on my knees, can somebody say amen, than in any other position. Man, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of feeling a little bit of this word today. Ian Bounds said something so powerful. He said, the word of God is the fulcrum upon which the lever of prayer is placed and by which mighty things are moved and performed. Wow. He went on to say the prayer of our thinking. It should be the soul of our feeling and it should be the life of our living. In another place, he said that prayer to the believer should be like the inherent ability to breathe without even thinking about it. Do I get up in the morning and first thing I do, roll out of bed and my knees hit the floor and do I say, Lord, I thank you that this is another day that you have made and everything in my body, no matter what I'm feeling or not feeling right now, is going to rejoice and be glad. Can we take a minute? If you're in this room for just a moment, maybe put down maybe that iPad or whatever it is you're taking notes with and slip up a hand and say, Lord, I thank you that you woke me up this morning. Lord, I thank you that you're the one that empowered me to be in this moment right now. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you're the one that's pushing back my enemies. Lord, I thank you that you're the one that is giving me the ability to gain wealth. Lord, I thank you that you are the one that has got health in my hands, and you're the one that is going to cause me to be a success. Man, it's good. And I want to declare that even today that we're going to be known among so many other things as a house of prayer. Wow. I'll never forget one of the first times when I came here to work about five and a half years ago now. It's been that long, believe it or not, when the first time that we were here. I came in on a, you know, they were going to do like an orientation morning, right? So I came in here and looking around and all of a sudden I hear somebody over here, God, I thank you, Lord, that you are, you are greater. There's no other name like you. Lord, I thank you. You're making a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. And I'm like, what? is going on right now and I sneak around and it's Pastor Ron Lee man do you know some of the stuff that's been pushed back some of the victories that have been brought come on some of the angels that have stepped in and protected you because somebody like Pastor Ron was saying, Lord, I thank you, not my will, but thy will be done, was praying, Lord, let your kingdom come today. And this earthen vessel as it is in heaven, I can promise you there's somebody praying. Even when you're a prophet and you're having a pity party like Elijah, 
God stopped them and said, listen, I've got thousands that have never bowed their knee to Baal. Can you say amen? And I think it'd be safe to say that there are millions that are praying and calling on the name of the Lord this very moment around the globe. Can you say amen? I want to join that group of people. When we were in China in 2008, I had the privilege of sneaking in. They rushed us in in the middle of the night. We had to sneak through a cornfield in the dark in the Anhui province that they were in because they didn't want anybody to see us that we were there. And there were 250 leaders that had gathered in a barn where they'd stacked the hay all the way up to the ceiling so we could soundproof the room that we were in. And by the time we got there, it was probably close to 6 o'clock. took us an hour to get from where we parked through all those fields to get back into this place where we were going to have this conference with some of the most key leaders in all of China in the underground church. We, we got in there only to hear them all calling on the name of the Lord. And I, I said to the interpreter, I said, how long have these guys been here? He said, they've been praying like this since 3 in the morning. We're two hours in. I said, well, what is it that they're praying? They said, oh, you're going to love this part right now. They're praying for the young people in America. And they said, if they will shape the culture of the world in music, in fashion, and in art and design, if God can get a hold of them, then God is going to change the world. And I got on my knees and I said, Lord, let it be. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. I said, somebody's always praying. And the stuff that may be sinking in right now is somebody else around the world has found a way to walk on it. Lord, help me. How do we actually do some of these things that we're talking about? How do I apply this incredible word of, Lord? how do I hear from God and then how do I apply it in my life? How do I make it work on a daily basis? Well, I'm about to tell you. If you go back to Luke 11... The very first verse, when his disciples are asking Jesus how to pray, Jesus says, when you pray, say. I need you to underline that. Underline that little three-letter word, say. You see, the God that we serve is a speaking God. Can you say amen? You heard Pastor Ricky talking about the power of God's word. Well, in the beginning, that John chapter 1 that he quoted out of was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelled among us, and we beheld His glory full of grace and truth. Well, guess what? In the beginning, when God said that, there wasn't a Bible. He is the Word. Can you say Amen. And so when he said, let there be, there was no cough, there was no pause, there was no computing, no processing that needed to take place. It was instantaneously light. Wow. And that's why I know in the situation that I might find myself in, all I need is one word from God. Can you say amen? If he speaks the word, then guess what? The light comes on in a moment. The darkness leaves in a moment. The fear dissipates in a moment. The anxiety has to go. Can you say amen? Depression has got to make way for the hope of God's word. So when we pray, 
The most important part of our prayer is that we say our prayers. We have to articulate our love. All the ladies in the room are going to totally appreciate this, and this is going to land with you. Isn't it wonderful when your husband decides to open up that mouth behind that big old beard and say, I love you? Isn't that great? Instead of, I th I'm thinking about it all the time. I told you once, if it ever changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> most of the tests that I find myself in, guys, this is a free tip. Most of the tests and challenges I find myself in in my relationship with my wife is she's just trying to get me to a place where I will say I love you all on my own. She wants to find out, am I still crazy about her? She wants to know, do I still think she is as hot and as gorgeous as she was when she got my attention the first time? Is anybody listening? And God is the same way. He wants you to open up your mouth and let him know, Lord, I thank you. Lord God, I adore you. There's nobody like you. You are the almighty God. You're the all-sufficient one. That's why we enter his gates with thanksgiving. You want God's attention? You start telling him how amazing he is. You will get his undivided attention. So when you pray, you have to say it. That's why David was so excited when he heard these words in Psalms 122. He said, I was glad when they said to me. Come on now. All I have to do is learn how to say what God is saying to me. In Bible college, one of the first times I ever really took out a step of faith and said something to someone that I felt like was a message from God. There was a guest speaker. He was fantastic, charismatic. This guy was an evangelist. He preached all over the place. And the Lord says, I want you to give him a message. And here's the message. Go, go, go preach repentance. I'm like, oh, man, this is really lame. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, you're thinking about getting this really powerful word from God, and it's going to be this big, long thing. You know, and you get like this little message in code that only they're going to understand. And I remember going up. I was, I was in fear and trembling. My hands are sweating. You know, you ever get in that spot like, oh, God, I'm so nervous. And I remember going up, and I said, brother, I feel like God's giving me a word for you. And I said, here's the word. Go, go, go and preach repentance. And I'm waiting for like this, you know, laugh. I look, and this guy starts crying. I said, what in the world's happening? He said, I was strung out on drugs, out of my mind. And I was in Virginia Beach, and he said, I was walking down the beach about to commit suicide, and someone was having this outdoor meeting, and there was an evangelist that said, there's somebody walking right now on the beach. You're about to take your life. But God has a plan for you, and here's what he wants you to do. He wants you to go, go, go and preach repentance. I'm like, okay, all right. Yeah, of course, I knew that. I knew that. I'm joking. I didn't do that. The power of those words. Maybe a few weeks ago, some of you remember 
Pastor Robbie had this really cool hoodie on, and it just kind of simply said somebody's name, and it looked like, oh, it's cool, it's awesome. Don't know what it means, but there was a guy in the audience who came up to us after the service. He came up to me in the back, and he's crying, and he said, today's my first day here at Calvary Church. And he goes, I didn't know if I should even come here. He said, my friend, my best friend, his name is Kyle, he just committed suicide. And I knew I needed to get into the house of God. And he said, Lord, I need a sign from you. And he said, and I looked up and on the pastor's sweatshirt on the big old screen, it said Kyle on his hoodie. How many know what I'm talking about? I said, just one word. When you pray, you got to say. And some of us are in the situation we're in because we haven't asked. What's that phrase? Come on now. You have not because you ask not. Man, I've learned to start asking for stupid stuff. Come on, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Lord, I thank you that I'll walk down my front steps today that I'm not going to slip on the ice. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I start asking for crazy stuff. Lord, I thank you when that police pulls me over that he's going to give me a warning in the name of Jesus. Y'all think I'm, I'm not joking, man. And I go out speeding and try that. He's going to be like, oh, no, you're on your own on that one. Angels, they jump off the car at 65. I just want you to know that too. So, When you pray, you have to say it. The other thing I think that's very important about prayer that we sometimes don't even realize is how we exercise and how we practice it. Guys, we do this every day. Does anybody talk to Siri in the room? Does anybody ever talk to Alexa? Anybody ever talk to Google? You think we're crazy when we talk about hearing from God and saying prayers and somehow God's going to perform them. But we do it all the time at home. Hey, Alexa, turn on the TV. Hey, Alexa, set the timer for 21 minutes. I'm going to make this bacon. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Hey, Alexa, tell me a story. My granddaughter, she's famous for that. She, she, she bosses Alexa around when she comes to my house. She, she used to call him Alexa. Hey, Alexa. You know what I mean? Pay, play yum yum for me right now so I can dance. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you know what happens? The music starts playing. You know what happens? The TV comes on. How much more when we're talking to a piece of plastic that's plugged in with the wire and a cable into the wall and we have faith that we're going to get the information that we need and we're going to get the answer that we've asked for. How much more when we ask the living God who made us, who formed us, when we ask, he's going to give us. Come on, is anybody in the room? When I say it, it's going to happen. If I pray and I say it and believe in my heart, I can have whatever I say. Whoo. All right, I'm going to have to ask the worship team to come. I know it's third service. I know we can go over if we want to, but I don't want you to. Let's stand on our feet. Think about this. This might sound a little bit wild. 
I know my Redeemer lives. And the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. How are people going to know that you've been rescued unless you say so? How are people going to know that you've been redeemed from a life that's worse than death unless you say so? Come on now. How are people going to know that you've been healed when the doctor said there was no more hope unless you say so? The Bible says, how can they hear without a preacher? That doesn't mean somebody that's necessarily gone to seminary and got the degrees to be standing behind a pulpit. That means every single one of us who God has done anything for any of us. We all have a license and responsibility from God to be a preacher. Come on now. I can tell my neighbor how good God has been. Come on now. I can tell those that I'm working with on the job how good I've been. I can write an essay at college and tell my class how good God has been. But however creative you've got to get, we got to continue to say so. Can you say amen? So I've decided that when I pray, I'm going to start saying it like never before. Wow. Okay, Lord. Just a couple of things, that I, thoughts that I had. Just wanted to run them past you. I thought were kind of bizarre. But God gives us this incredible ability to say the things that he wants to say through us. This is the reason why he has redeemed us. This is why he paid the ultimate high price for us. Because he knew somebody that's been rescued won't care about anybody else that's listening. As long as they understand, man, I don't know about you, but like Pastor Ricky said, man, I was in that dark cave and I was just glad to be out. Can you say amen? So there's going to be some people that they're going to think I've lost my mind when they hear me praising God the way that I do. Come on now. Some people are going to come past me on the aisle in the church and they're going to look at me a little weird and they're going to say, man, he's singing a little bit too loud right now. But if you only knew what God brought me through, then you would be worshiping, then you would be praising, then you would be shouting. Has anybody got a shout for the king? Has anybody got a worship for the king?